Chapter 4 William No need to rush, Miss Clark. My homeroom teacher, Mr. Wright, sighed sarcastically as I hurried down the hall toward him. I'm not even that late. That has to count for something, I said, mustering a sassy smile. He rolled his eyes, and his mustache twitched. I imagined him all diabolically tying a screaming woman to a set of train tracks. <laughs> if I wasn't sometimes late, how would we have these wonderful morning chats? I slipped inside the half-open door. I'm sure we'd manage, he said. I walked toward my seat, and I could overhear Tony telling her friends she'd seen me and Sophia in the parking lot together. I squeaked by as quietly as I could, hoping she wouldn't catch me passing. Looking up, I found my normal desk wasn't empty. I tried not to stare too obviously as I sidestepped over into the next row to find a seat, but I recognized those intense blue eyes, that honey-colored hair, and that green shirt. Seeing people from dreams in waking life couldn't be a particularly good sign. Am I not awake? I feel awake. But then again, I usually did in those dreams. Is it him? Maybe I'm remembering wrong. Maybe he just looks like him a little? Maybe... Mr. Wright cut off my train of thought. Amy, since you missed the introduction due to your inability to use a watch, this is William Aaron. William, this is Amy Clark. Careful, new kid. Her girlfriend is back in town, and she bites. Tony's bitter remark stayed stagnant in the air. Ms. Sumter, that's enough, Mr. Wright said. She quieted, but arched her eyebrows in my direction. William and I looked at each other. I offered him a smile, which he returned. Amy often lives in her own little world where time means nothing, Mr. Wright continued. No detention for Tony, not even a stern talking to. Ah, yes, school administration and bullying at work. William spoke as he turned his attention forward. Isn't the notion of time something someone fabricated to define moment-to-moment -moment interactions? I smiled. Oh, I'm gonna like you. Mr. Wright shook his head. Ah, you're one of those, he said, a hint of amusement in his voice. Hmm. I suppose I am. William shrugged, then turned back to me. Hello, Amy. The right corner of his lips turned up in half a grin. Short for Amelia? I nodded in reply. Nice, he said simply. It's definitely him. The way he said my name, the way he looked at me, just like my dream. I tried to think of something to say, but it was like my brain short-circuited. Why is he here? Who is he? A thousand other thoughts raced through my mind. I must have had an overwrought look on my face because William scrunched his before looking away. William didn't pop up in my first two classes. When I stepped into lit, however, his face appeared in the middle of my row. I strode toward my seat, trying to pay as little attention to him as possible, and thus I tripped over his back. Careful, he said, reaching out to help me, but I stayed on my feet. Sorry, uh... Thanks, I said, giving him a gawky grin. 
The bell rang and I sat down. Erin, our teacher, one of those first-name types, stood from her desk and wrote the words, Shakespeare's female archetype, on the board. I smiled. This was going to be a good class. I took extensive notes, contributing when I felt the urge. I loved Shakespeare's heroines. They're powerful, emotional, determined, complicated beings with several dimensions. I mean, who doesn't think Lady M is one hell of a firecracker? I spent the whole class with my eyes moving back and forth between the board and William, a visual ping-pong match with myself. He never returned my gaze. Not while my eyes were on him, anyway. When the ring of the bell signaled the end of class, I sprang from my seat, hungry for lunch and my mere twenty minutes of freedom. I hurried down the hall, practically hopping the stairs toward the cafeteria. As I reached the bottom, William turned a corner in front of me. He'd gotten down there remarkably quickly, considering he'd gone the long way. Holding the door open, that small half-smile crept up his face. After you, Amelia, he said, and his use of my whole name still felt new, but also somehow comforting, like he was used to saying it. Don't know how I feel about that. I offered a harried thanks and scurried through the corridor, hurrying off to grab some food and sit with my friends. The absence of Sophia seemed especially prevalent, much more so than over the past few months. Maybe it was that I'd just seen her that morning. Maybe it was William. They shared the same quiet charisma, the same charming smile, and the same kind of intense look in their eyes that could captivate the most cynical of all of us. Scores of students sat at the tables, gossiping, arguing, laughing, and planning out their Friday nights. My small group of four already sat at our usual table. They, too, were discussing Friday night plans as I took a seat. Date night. Gabe and Caroline were a well-matched couple in every way. Emotionally, intellectually, with sports, her lacrosse, him football, and in looks. Gabe was the kind of guy that had the body of a 22-year-old at 16. He'd always been fit and handsome, despite a set of ears one size too big for his head and a goofy grin that usually made him look like he wasn't listening. Caroline wore a set of pink square glasses, filled her schedule with AP classes, and she had this signature curly, strawberry blonde hair that everyone in school recognized and envied. Sometimes I swore that that old 80s song Jack and Diane played whenever they walked down the hallway together. Dustin and Bridget fit well together, too, but they were a little... darker. As in, lots of black, and lots of indie alternative music. If anything was playing when they walked down the hall together, it was either old-school emo or foreign death metal. We were... an eclectic bunch. I dreaded date-night conversation. My friends would, of course, invite me, but after a while, I'd end up the awkward extra body. I miss Sophia most on weekends. We used to sneak away from the couples and watch old zombie movies, or talk about books, or our favorite, find a way into all the places on the mini-golf course that were fenced off. I sat down and four sets of eyes stopped their animated discussion and were immediately on me. What? I asked, looking at each of them. Incredulous stares met my gaze. Not that we are ones for rumors... Caroline started, but 
I may have overheard Tony say something in the hall earlier about seeing you and Sophia this morning. Please tell me the Peroxide Queen was woefully incorrect and you didn't just completely forget to tell us the most interesting thing to happen to you this year. The sentence tumbled out of Bridget's mouth so quickly that I had to take a second to wrap my brain around it. Also, ouch. Um, one, rude, I said. The excitement in my life does, on occasion, extend beyond romance and lack thereof. And two, oh my god! Caroline's staccato tone got higher with every word. My eyes rolled back into my head. She came over last night, we hung out, she dropped me off this morning because my car wouldn't start, I said, quickly and as unanimatedly as possible. Yes, she slept in my bed. No, we didn't do it. And I'd appreciate if we didn't talk about it anymore because my brain hurts. This concludes today's breaking news. I finished. Amy, you're the worst, Caroline said, pouting over dramatically. The worst? I suck, sure, but the worst? I said, hoping my humor would move the conversation away from Sophia. Gabe, however, managed to do that for me. Wow. That kid sure knows how to clear a table, he said, his gaze shifting from the group to somewhere behind me. I turned to see William sitting alone at a table that had been filled when I walked in. He seems to be fitting right in, Dustin said, and his low laugh escaped his lips. Oh, don't be a douche. You don't even know him, Caroline said, her voice motherly in its defense of William. He seems nice. Better watch out, Gabe. The new guy might steal your girl. Oh, shut up, dude. Gabe reached across the table and smacked Dustin's sandwich out of his hands. Dustin looked truly devastated. Come on, guys. It sucks to be the new kid, Bridget said coolly. I ran into him yesterday at the market. He lives by himself. She finished, her deep tone a little flat in its delivery. Everyone raised eyebrows at this. I glanced back at William. I hear his parents died, and I guess they left him, like, a ton of money or something. She shrugged, but had injected a little more life into her voice this time, as if even she was intrigued by him. His family's dead? A little shock of pain filled my chest. William ate silently, eyes locked downward. He shifted his gaze for just a moment, and our eyes met. He looked back down. And just before I pulled my eyes away, I caught his little half-smile. Who are you, William Aaron? Caroline moved the conversation onward toward date night. She wanted to go to Tin Cup, a small bar-slash-music venue that had an all-ages night twice a month. So are we going to go tonight or what? The consensus was a less-than-thrilled general, yeah, whatever, from everyone except me. You know I love you guys, but I don't want to be the third wheel. It gets so boring, I said. You're not a third wheel, Ames, Bridget said, brushing a strand of dark hair out of her face. Caroline nodded. Yeah, Gabe said. I mean, there are four of us, so if anything, you're a fifth wheel, he finished with a goofy grin. Caroline hit him reproachfully, but I smiled. Thanks, thank you, I said quickly, facetious. Unless you want some alone time with Sophia, Caroline said, sing-songy. 
An eerie chill crawled up my spine, and I turned to see that William no longer sat alone at his table. Instead, he was staring at me from the corridor of the cafeteria. She's probably back in New York by now, I said, not really paying attention to what was coming from my mouth since I was more focused on William. He raised his eyebrows and shot me his half-grin, pointing to the clock on the wall. My stomach squirmed, and I shifted in my seat. Then he strode away. Looks like you're going to be late for that meeting with Destiny. Dustin's voice came from behind me. What? I turned, almost jumping. Did he see that? Don't you have a meeting with Miss Roca? It's Friday. Oh, damn it. I sighed, haphazardly tossing my backpack over my shoulder. I threw out the empty sandwich bag, picked up my half-finished apple, and stalked off. Not that I had anything against Miss Roca, we got along just fine. It was the way the school viewed me that I didn't love, like I was struggling just to get through day-to-day -day life since that rumor Tony started. Oh, did I fail to mention that? Yeah. After everything that went down at her house that Saturday night, she started a rumor that I got super drunk, super depressed, and tried to drown myself. So... That was a thing. Did I suffer from anxiety and sometimes get panic or anxiety attacks in school? Yes. Was I suicidal? Thankfully, no. But I would have appreciated if the school spent its limited resources on kids that actually were. Late as always, Amy. Miss Roca shook her head as I slumped down into the faded leather chair opposite her desk. I stared up at the certificates and accolades she proudly displayed on the wall behind her, most notably ones from UC Berkeley. You're going to have to fix yourself of that nasty habit, she grinned. Working on it, I said. Someday I'll learn to be on time for things, just not today. I smiled back, tossing the apple core into the mesh trash can beside her desk. A small laugh made its way out of her mouth. <laughs> You do keep me on my toes. I try. How have things been this week? I took a breath and exhaled a loud sigh. While Miss Roca knew of my stint in the sleep study, I rarely talked about my dreams as a kid and had no plans of mentioning their recent reemergence. She stared, awaiting an answer. Fine. They've been fine, are fine, and will always be... Fine, I said, turning sour, exasperated. I hate this dance. Miss Roca took her glasses off, placed them on her desk, and clasped her hands together. It was an all-too-familiar routine when she was about to analyze something. Her eyes bore into me, brimming with humor, impatience, and just a hint of pity. Amy? Okay. Let's break this down. She began slowly, as if she had to pull me to keep up with every word. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I've dealt with kids struggling with suicide. I know that's not you. And I know we made this meeting arrangement after your best friend... <sighs> I scoffed. She's not anymore. Yes, okay. Not anymore. She backpedaled. She started a rumor that spiraled out of control because people love to latch on to drama that doesn't involve them. Maybe you should drag her in here, I said. We're discussing you, Amy, not Ms. Sumter. I dropped my gaze, cheeks growing red, 
waiting for her to continue. Before they separated, how many times did you tell me that your parents' arguments were just getting old? How many times have you told me you wish they would make a divorce official? I don't know. A lot, I whispered, still looking down. You struggle to find common ground with friends you've had for years. You haven't spoken with Sophia for months, and you're struggling to get here on time and to get homework done for every class but AP Lit. Yeah, but I hate homework. Who doesn't? I thought. Actually, Sophia and I have... been... talking. A little, I said. Amy, that's wonderful, she said, and genuinely meant it. Yeah, I smiled, and a rush of excitement washed over me. High school isn't the end-all and be-all of your life, but it does help lay some groundwork for what you'll do next, she continued. I would suggest you take some pride in what you're good at, and take the help offered to you in what you're not so good at. She paused. You're incredibly bright and introspective. Thoughts swirled in my brain, but nothing solid. A word here, a, a phrase there, but I couldn't grab onto anything to say. Ms. Roca was quiet for a while, too. I'd like to ask you about William, she said after an excruciating amount of time, which in reality was probably only a minute. William? Well, he's appeared in my dreams before and then just showed up at school. You probably think I'm crazy now, so I'm just going to grab my bag and go. Don't worry, Mr. Wright already gave me a detention slip for being late this morning, was what I wanted to say. William. I said his name slowly, pretending I wasn't sure which William she was talking about. William Aaron, the new boy? I spoke with him this morning. He talked exclusively about you. My face scrunched. Me? She took a cue from my look. Yes, you. I don't know him. I don't know him at all. The sentence fell slowly from my lips as I shook my head. It also probably came out incredibly panicked, but intrigue also bubbled up in my stomach. Well, I can't disclose everything we spoke about, but he said your parents knew each other. He said, you've known each other for years. I've never met him before in my life. I mean, I caught myself before mentioning the dreams. Well, um, she eyed me expectantly. I have to get to class. Standing up from my seat, I almost knocked it over. My entire body shook. Everything was so overwhelming that distinguishing each small emotion seemed impossible. I walked from Miss Roca's office in a daze. She called after me, but her voice barely registered. My feet stepped one in front of the other, my brain overflowing with thoughts of William. Why is he talking about me? An array of images flooded my mind. William talking about me, William looking at me, studying me, touching me, William... Okay, that's far enough. The creepy stalker thing guys do in movies or books that seems oddly attractive when you watch or read it becomes less attractive and far creepier when you actually experience it. And yet, his presence was strangely comforting. It soothed something deep within me. 
and his eyes told a story I wanted to know. I needed to solve all of this, and quickly. The thought of having to stick around in school for the remainder of my classes made me sick. The school would probably give me detention for a week for leaving early with no good reason, but I didn't much care. The desire to get away was stronger than the looming threat of punishment. Instead of hurrying off to class, I turned and jumped down the stairs, ran to my locker, then hurried out to my car. Suddenly, I remembered. I didn't have my car with me. Sophia had dropped me off. I stepped into the afternoon frustrated, huffing. Looking into the lot, something stuck out like a sore thumb among the nicer cars of the other students. Little Blue. I charged toward her. She sat in her usual back spot, and as I got closer, my eyes were met with an even stranger sight. A small bag had been slung from my driver's side mirror, and a rolled-up piece of paper stuck out the top. The bag was made of a soft, green material and fit comfortably in the palm of my hand. It had weight to it, and felt like there was something round inside. My fingers pulled the note from the top. Unrolling it, I first noticed the way it was written. It was careful cursive, near-perfect calligraphy. It read, not now, but soon. It has begun, Amelia. Amelia.